Okay. Welcome to Thermochem. Kind of the worst. Kind of the best. So. A system is the matter that is being observed or the total amount of reactants and products in a chemical reaction. It could be the amount of solute and solvent in a solution or the gas inside a balloon. And the surroundings and environment are everything outside of that system. But the boundary between system and surroundings is not permanently fixed and it can be moved. Uh, so systems can be characterized whether or not they exchange heat or matter with the surroundings. So it can be isolated, which means it can't exchange energy, heat, or work or matter with the surroundings, like a bomb calimeter calorimeter. It can be closed, so it can exchange energy, heat, and work, but not matter with the surroundings. And then it can be open, which means it can exchange both energy, heat, and work, and matter with the surroundings. So like a pot of boiling water. And when a system experiences a change in one or more of its properties, like concentration of reactants or products, temperature, pressure, it undergoes a process. And processes are associated with the change of a state of a system. Some are identified by some property that is constant throughout the process. Uh, so that gets us to the first law of thermodynamics, where the change in internal energy of the system is the heat added to the system and the work done by the system. So delta U equals Q minus W. Delta U is internal energy, Q is heat, and W is work. Isothermal processes occur when the system's temperature is constant, which means the total internal energy of the system is constant. And this is because and temperature and internal energy are directly proportional. And that means that Q equals W. Adiabatic processes occur when no heat is exchanged between the system and environment, so the thermal energy of the system is constant. When Q equals zero and delta U equals negative W. And then when we have isobaric processes, that means the pressure of the system is constant. So isothermal and isobaric processes are common because it's easy to control temperature and pressure. They don't alter the first law, but uh, it looks like a flat line on a PV graph. So then we have isovolumetric or isochoric processes would have no change in volume because the gas neither expands nor compresses. No work is performed. And the first law simplifies to delta U equals Q. So that's a vertical line on the PV graph. And processes themselves can be spontaneous or non-spontaneous. Spontaneous means that it occurs by itself without having to be driven by energy from an outside source. Um, and we use the Gibbs free energy to help us understand that. Spontaneous doesn't mean that it's quick or goes to completion. They might have high activation energies and rarely take place. Uh, some proceed very slowly and we need enzyme catalysts to enhance the rate. And a common method for supplying energy for non-spontaneous reactions is by coupling them to spontaneous ones. So then we can move on to states and state functions. So uh, state functions are the, describing the system in an equilibrium state. They can't describe the process of the system or how it got to its current equilibrium. It just helps you compare one equilibrium state to another. And the path we've taken from the equilibrium state to another is described quantitatively by the process functions, which are work and heat. So the state functions include pressure, density, temperature, volume, enthalpy, heat, internal energy, gives free energy, and entropy. So pressure is P, density is little p, temperature is capital T, volume is V, enthalpy is H, internal energy U, gives free energy G, and entropy S. 
Uh, state functions are independent of the path taken, but they're not independent of one another. And because systems can be in different equilibrium states at different temperatures and pressures, we need a set of standard conditions, um, which is 25 degrees C, which is 298K, one atmosphere pressure, and one molar concentrations. This is not the same as standard temperature and pressure, aka STP, which is 0 degrees C or 273 Kelvin, and one atmosphere pressure. Standard conditions is for like kinetics, equilibrium, thermodynamics, and then STP is for ideal gas problems. Uh, and then we use standard state, which is the most stable form of a substance. Mm. And the changes in enthalpy, entropy, and free energy that occur when a reaction takes place under standard conditions are called standard enthalpy, standard entropy, and standard free energy changes. And they have the little circular sign which is used as the zero point. So then we have phase diagrams, which are graphs that show the standard and non-standard states of matter for a given substance in an isolated system, as determined by their temperature and pressure. So phase changes, which are solid to liquid, liquid to gas, they're reversible, and when there can be an equilibrium of phases reached at a given combination of temperature and pressure. Okay, so then we have gas-liquid equilibrium that we're going to look at first. Uh, the temperature of any substance at any phase is related to the average kinetic energy of the molecules that make up the substance, but not all the molecules have the same instantaneous speeds, so they have a range of kinetic energy values. So, um, for a liquid phase, the molecules are free to move around one another. Some are near the surface of the liquid, and they have they might have enough kinetic energy to leave liquid phase and escape into the gaseous phase, which is known as evaporation or vaporization. And every time it loses a high-energy particle from the liquid, the temperature of the remaining liquid will decrease. And it's an evaporation is an endothermic process for which the heat source of the process is the liquid water. Then we have boiling, which is a specific type of vaporization that occurs only in certain conditions. Any liquid will lose some bar lit lit particles to the vapor phase, but rapid bubbling of the entire liquid will release liquid gas particles much quickly. Quicker. Then we have condensation, which is when the escaping molecules become trapped above the solution and they have a countering pressure, which forces some of the gas back into the liquid phase. It's facilitated by lower temperature or higher pressure. And then vapor pressure increases as temperature increases because more molecules have sufficient kinetic energy to escape into the gas phase. Oh, and vapor pressure is the pressure that the gas exerts over the liquid at equilibrium. Uh, the temperature at which the vapor pressure of the liquid equals the ambient, which is the external and applied or incident pressure, that's the boiling point. Then we have liquid-solid equilibrium, so availability of energy microstates increases as the temperature of the solid increases. Uh, so the molecules have greater freedom of movement and energy disperses, so if Atoms or molecules in the solid phase absorb enough energy, the 3D structure of the solid will break down, and the atoms or molecules will escape into the liquid phase. So solid to liquid is fusion or melting, and the reverse is solidification, crystallization, or freezing. And the temperature that these processes occur at is called the melting point or the freezing point, depending on the direction of the transition. Then we have the gas and solid phases. So when solid goes directly into gas, that's called sublimation. When gas goes directly to solid, it's deposition, and a device known as a cold finger can be used to purify a product that's heated under reduced pressure, causing it to sublime. So 
So now we'll talk about phase diagrams. It's, these are the graphs that show the temperature and pressures at which a substance will be thermodynamically stable in a particular phase. And they show the temperature and pressures at which phases will be in equilibrium. So the lines on a phase diagram are the lines of equilibrium with the phase boundaries, and they indicate the temperature and pressure values for the equilibria between phases. Um, it'll divide into three regions, so solid, liquid, gas, and they represent the phase transformations. So we have like a wishbone. Um, the line A is the top left line. It represents the solid-liquid interface. Line B is the top right line, which is the liquid-gas interface. And line C, which is connecting to the y-axis, is the solid-gas interface. And the axes are pressure and temperature, uh, y and x relatively. So the point at which the three-phase boundaries meet in the middle is the triple point. This is the temperature and pressure at which three phases exist in equilibrium. Phase boundary that separates solid and liquid extends indefinitely from the triple point and same and not the same for liquid and gas because that's called a critical point, which is where the temperature and pressure above which there's no distinction between the phases. Um, so there's something called the supercritical fluid, which is something between the liquid and solid phase. Um, and the critical point is the temperature and pressure at which the two densities become equal and there's no distinction between the two phases. And the heat of vaporization at this point for all temperatures and pressures above the critical point values to zero. Then we can talk about heat. So temperature is related to the average kinetic energy of the particles of a substance, and temperature is how we scale how hot or cold something is, so Fahrenheit, Celsius, Kelvin. And then the average kinetic energy of the particles in a substance is related to the thermal energy or enthalpy. Um, but this also has to include how much substance is present to calculate total thermal energy content. Um, so... Heat is the transfer of energy from one substance to another as a result of their differences in temperature. In fact, the zeroth law of the thermodynamics implies that objects are in thermal equilibrium only when their temperatures are equal, so heat is a process function, not a state function. We can quantify how much thermal energy is transferred between two or more objects as a result of their difference in temperatures by measuring the heat transferred. Uh, endothermic, like we were saying earlier, is absorbing heat, exothermic releasing heat, and the unit of heat is um, joules or calories. One calorie is 4.184 joules. Enthalpy is equal to heat under constant pressure, which is an assumption that the MCAT makes usually. Um, calorimetry is the process of measuring transferred heat. So there's constant pressure or constant volume calorimetry. The heat absorbed or released in a given process is Q equals mc delta T. M is mass, C is specific heat of the substance, and delta T is change in temperature in Celsius or Kelvins. Specific heat is defined as the temp amount of energy required to raise the temperature of one gram of a substance by one degree Celsius or one Kelvin. So we need to know the one for water, which is one calorie over gram time Kelvin. And that's the liquid specific heat of it. So there's a heat capacity, which is the mass times the specific heat. Does it give a definition for that? So then we have to think about calorimetry. So constant pressure calorimeter is like a co coffee cup calorimeter. Insulated container covered with a lid filled with a solution in which a reaction or some physical process is occurring. The incident pressure, which is atmospheric pressure, remains constant, and the temperature can be measured as the reaction progresses. There should be sufficient thermal insulation to ensure that heat is being measured with an accurate way with no gain or loss of heat to the environment. Um, then we have a bomb calorimeter, which is a deca 
decomposition vessel, which is actually a constant volume calorimetry. So we put a sample of matter in a steel decomposition vessel, and then we fill it with pure oxygen gas. And then the decomposition vessel is placed in an insulated container with a known mass of water. And then the contents of the decomposition vessel are ignited by an electric ignition mechanism, and the material combusts, and the heat that evolves is the heat of the combustion reaction. So W equals P delta V. No work is done in an isovolumetric process because delta V equals zero, so work for the calorimeter is zero. And because of the insulation, the whole calorimeter can be considered isolated, so we can identify it as the system. It's a sample plus the oxygen and steel vessel, and the surroundings is the water. So... Since there's no heat exchange between the calorimeter and the universe, Q calorimeter is zero, so delta U of system plus delta U of surroundings equals delta U calorimeter equals del is equal to Q calorimeter minus W calorimeter equals zero. So the delta U of the systems is equal to the negative delta U of the surroundings. And because no work is done, Q of system equals negative Q surroundings, so which means that we can calculate that that way. Then we think about heating curves. So when a compound is heated, the temperature rises until the melting or boiling point is reached and the temperature remains constant then and the compound is converted to the next phase. Once the entire sample sample tampon once the entire sample is converted, then the temperature begins to rise again. And it's like it looks like a kind of zigzaggy graph. Uh, these curves show that the the what did I just say? These curves show that phase change reactions don't undergo changes in temperature, so we can't use Q equals MC delta T. Um, we have to use values based on enthalpy, so when transitioning from solid to liquid, the enthalpy is um, enthalpy of fusion, which must be used to determine the heat transfer during the phase change, and then we do, it'll be solid to liquid, and it'll be a positive change in enthalpy because we have to add heat. Um, but when we go to liquid to solid, it will be negative because heat must be removed. From liquid to gas boundary, the enthalpy is vaporization, and it's same sign convention. And we use this in the equation Q equals ML, and M is the mass, L is the latent heat, which is a general term for the enthalpy of isothermal process in the units of cal per gram. Calorie per gram. Okay. Now we'll move into enthalpy. Let's see how much we have left. Uh, we might be able to get through this. Okay. Enthalpy is a state function. Excuse me, I'm sleepy. Okay, enthalpy is uh, the way that we express heat changes at constant pressure. And the change in enthalpy is equal to the heat transferred into or out of the system at constant pressure. So it's the H of the products minus the H of the reactants. Positive is endothermic, negative is exothermic. The standard enthalpy of formation is the enthalpy required to produce one mole of a compound from its elements in their standard states. And the standard enthalpy of a reaction is the enthalpy change accompanying a reaction being carried under standard conditions, which is by taking the difference between the sum of the standard heats of formation for the products and the sum of the standard heats of formation of the reactants. Uh, then we have Hess's law. 
Um, it states that enthalpy changes of reactions are additive, so when thermal chemical equations are added to give the net equation for a reaction, the corresponding heats are also added to get the net heat of the reaction. Uh, so, just know how to use that to do some calculations. We can also use Hess's law um, to be expressed in terms of bond enthalpies or bond association energies. It's the average energy that is required to break a particular type of bond between atoms in the gas phase. So bond association is an endothermic process. It gives, it's given in kilojoules over moles of bonds broken. Um, bond enthalpies are the averages of bond energies for the same bond in a lot of different compounds. And yeah, bond formation is exothermic and bond association is endothermic. And so the enthalpy change is delta H uh, of the reaction, which is standard, is equal to the sum of the delta H of the bonds broken minus delta H of the bonds formed. So total energy absorbed minus total energy released. Then we think about standard heat of combustion is the enthalpy change associated with the combustion of a fuel. Uh, combustion reactions are the ideal processes for measurements of enthalpy change that require a reaction to be spontaneous and fast. Uh, the larger the alkane reactant, the more numerous the combustion products. And yeah, we can move into entropy. So entropy is less intuitive, kind of, I guess. A lot of people think of it as disorder, which is strange. Um, so the second law of thermodynamics states that energy spontaneously disperses from being localized to becoming spread out. Um, Entropy is just the measure of the spontaneous dispersal of energy at a specific temperature. So how much is spread out or how widely spread out energy becomes in a process. And we use the equation delta S equals QREV over T. Delta S is the change in entropy. QREV is the heat that is gained or lost in a reversible process. And T is the temperature in Kelvin. And the units of entropy are usually joules per mole time Kelvin. Um, so when energy is distributed into, into a system at a given temperature, entropy increases. And when it's distributed out of a system, its entropy decreases. So the concentration of energy will rarely happen spontaneously in a closed system. So more work must be done to concentrate energy. Um, there's also a unidirectional limitation on the movement of energy by which we recognize before and after. So the delta S of the universe is equal to the delta S of the system plus delta S of the surroundings. And it's always, 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 always greater than zero because energy in a closed system will spontaneously spread out and it will increase if it's not hindered from doing so. So the system can be defined to include the entire universe. And it basically states that the second law is claiming that the entropy of the universe is always increasing. And then we can think of the standard entropy change of a reaction, delta S of the reaction, standard which is the standard entropy of reactants and products, just like enthalpy, the sum of the products minus the sum of the reactants. Okay, so we'll go into Gibbs free energy. This is the state function, which is a combination of the three that we just looked at, so temperature, enthalpy, entropy. The change is a measure of the change in enthalpy and the change in entropy as the system undergoes a process, and it indicates whether a reaction is spontaneous or non-spontaneous. So the change in free energy is the maximum amount of energy released by a process, at constant temperature and pressure, so it's delta G equals delta H minus T delta S. T is temperature in kelvins, and T delta S is the amount of energy absorbed by a system and when its entropy increases reversibly. Okay, so movement toward the equilibrium position is in associated with a decrease in Gibbs free energy and is spontaneous. 
Uh, so when it's a system releases energy, it's exergonic. And then on the other hand, movement away from the equilibrium position is associated with an increase in gear 3 energy and is non-spontaneous and it's endergonic. So once the energy is at a minimum state, the system will resist any changes. And if delta D is negative, the reaction is spontaneous. If delta D is positive, the reaction is non-spontaneous. If delta G is zero, the system is in a state of equilibrium. And so the delta G of a gas is equal to the G of an S because delta G is equal to G of a gas minus G of a solid equals zero. Yeah. And because temperature and gas free energies in Kelvin is always positive, so the effects of the signs of delta H and S on the spontaneity can be determined easily. Okay, and then we talked about standard free energy, which is the free energy change of reactions measured under standard state conditions. Uh, same thing, sum of the products minus sum of reactants of formation. And then we can think about the free energy, Keq and Q. So we can derive the standard free energy change for a reaction from the equilibrium constant Keq using the equation delta G of the reaction. Standard state equals negative RT ln KQ. R is the ideal gas constant. T is temperature in kelvins. KQ is the equilibrium constant. This allows us to make not only quantitative evaluations of the free energy change of reaction, but also qualitative assessments of the spontaneity of the reaction. The greater the value of KQ, the more positive the value of its natural log, and the more positive the natural log, the more negative the standard free energy change. And the more negative the standard free energy change, the more spontaneous the reaction. Um, but also remember that once a reaction begins, the standard state conditions don't apply anymore, and so we have to use a different equilibrium constant value. Okay, that's it. Now we're going to go through our concept summary. Kind of perfect timing, I guess. So systems are classified based on what is or not exchanged with the surroundings. Isolated systems exchange neither matter nor energy with the environment. Closed systems can exchange energy but not matter with the environment. Open systems can exchange both energy and matter with the environment. Processes can be characterized based on a single constant property. So isothermal is at constant temperature. Adiabatic exchanges no heat with the environment. Isobaric is constant pressure. And isovolumetric or isochoric is constant volume. State functions describe the physical properties of an equilibrium state. Their pathways independent and include their pathway independent and include pressure density, temperature, volume, enthalpy, internal energy, gives free energy, and entropy. Standard conditions are defined as 298K, one atmosphere, and one molar concentrations. The standard state of an element is its most prevalent form under standard conditions, so standard enthalpy, entropy, and free energy. Um, then we have phase changes, which exist at characteristic temperatures and pressures. So fusion is melting, freezing is crystallization or solidification, and they occur at the boundary between solid and liquid phases. Vaporization is evaporation or boiling, and condensation occur at the boundary between the liquid and gas phases. And sublimation and deposition occur at the boundary between solid and gas phases. Temperatures above the critical point have liquid and gas phases indistinguishable, and at triple point, all three phases of matter exist in the equilibrium. And the phase diagram for our system graphs the phases and phase equilibria as a function of temperature and pressure. Heat 
um, and temperature are not the same thing. So temperature is a scaled measure of the average kinetic energy of a substance. Heat is a transfer of energy that results from differences of temperature between the two substances. Heat content of a system undergoing heating, cooling, or phase changes is the sum of all the respective energy changes. Enthalpy is a measure of the potential energy of a system found in intermolecular attractions and chemical bonds. Hess's law states that the total change in potential energy of a system is equal to the changes of potential energies of the individual steps of the process. Enthalpy can be calculated using heats of formation, heats of combustion, or bond dissociation energies. Entropy, which is usually thought of as disorder, is a measure of the degree to which energy has been spread throughout a system or between a system and its surroundings. It's a ratio of heat transferred per mole per unit Kelvin, and it's maximized at equilibrium. And Gibbs free energy is derived from both enthalpy and entropy values for a given system. The change in Gibbs free energy determines whether a process is spontaneous or non-spontaneous. So less than zero proceeds forward, it's spontaneous. Equals zero is dynamic equilibrium, and greater than zero means it proceeds in the reverse and it's non-spontaneous. And it depends on temperature and... Yeah. Okay, that's it for thermochem. That was a little bit more heavy, but next I'll see you in a truly light one. Okay, the gas phase. It's actually not light. I think it's also a pretty chunky chapter. Oh yeah, most definitely. We got a lot to go through. Okay, see y'all there. Bye-bye.